Welcome to the Sadler Lectures podcast. Responding to popular demand, I'm converting my philosophy videos into sound files you can listen to anywhere you can take an MP3. If you like what you hear and want to support my work, go to patreon.com sadler. I hope you enjoy this lecture. Human beings are, according to the Stoics, social creatures. That is, we exist in a whole fabric of various relationships, not only family relationships that we're born into or enter into through some sort of ceremony, you know, like marriage or becoming a blood brother of somebody, but also all sorts of other webs of relationships. Think about our workplaces, the people that we travel with, people that we live in proximity to. There's a whole bunch of things. People on the internet uh, comprise communities as well. And the Stoics were concerned with how it is that we connect up with, with other people. I've got other videos about you know performing our social roles, so this isn't really so much about that. Rather, a concern that Epictetus expresses about what we're calling here social intercourse, it's a decent way to translate, sum periphoras, right? Foras means sort of like carrying or conducting yourself, sum together with, peri, around. So you think about this as, as like how we're doing things in proximity with other people along with them. That's a rather long-winded way of saying it, but kind of gets at it. So social intercourse, social engagements are social connections. And the issue is we can often get ourselves in trouble if we are trying to live as Stoics by falling into the same sort of patterns of behavior as other people do because we want to, say, hang out with them or we want to be part of their group, or we want to spend time with them, and that's the way in which we do it. So if we've got, for example, a parent who's constantly watching TV, it's going to be difficult to take them out to the park and have a nice conversation over coffee there, because what they want you to do is sit your butt down on, on the couch next to them and watch TV and maybe chat about what's, what's happening on the screen. And, you know, we can say things similarly about all sorts of other pursuits. Epictetus has the example of drinking friends, right? The people that you drink with, if you say, I don't feel like drinking today, they don't have so much in common with you anymore. And we find, you know, similar things sometimes in terms of people wanting to talk shop who work in the same place. And somebody will say, hey, I don't want to talk shop. They go out to the bar. Let's talk about something else. And suddenly nobody really has anything to talk about. So they go back to talking shop. So Epictetus thinks that it's very important not to allow oneself to be, as we say, drawn in or dragged down by other people. These are two nice, very visual metaphors. Somebody draws us into the activity that they're involved with. Somebody drags us down to their level. He says this is very important. He says, to this topic you want to devote yourself before every other, namely how you may avoid ever being so intimately associated with some one of your acquaintances or friends as to descend to the same level with it. Otherwise, you're going to ruin yourself. And then he says, why do people do this then? If it's unreasonable, if it's imprudent, I mean, we don't have to be Stoics and we don't have to be studying Epictetus to know that the company that we keep tends to rub off on us. 
And there's probably some people whose company we should avoid because they're in trouble, right? Not just with friends, but even with relationships. You know, you, you have a friend that gets involved with some boyfriend or girlfriend, and you're like, wow, they're bad news. You know, <laughs> they're starting to rub off on you. Why is it difficult for them to see that and to respond appropriately to that? Well, there's three main things that he considers. One is the fear of appearing unwelcoming. The Greek word for that is adexios. Dehomai uh, is to, to welcome, to take in, and unfriendly. So, you know, when somebody wants to do stuff with us and they offer us the chance to do it, say, hey, this is, this is what we do, it seems like we're kind of being jerks by not doing that. We have to make a choice. And this choice is for us often a tough one. That The fact that it is a tough one is a sign of two things. One, just how strong social bonds really are. And two, the fact that we haven't made as much progress as we'd like to have made because it would be an easy choice for us if we had. So what we have to do is we have to think about what are the results for either choice. It's up to us. Do we mix ourselves in with these other people? Do we get involved but kind of hold ourselves back? Do we say, I'm sorry, but I can't go along with that sort of thing? Whatever we do, it's going to bear some consequences for us. So he says, nothing is done without paying for it. It's impossible for a man to remain the same person he used to be if he does not do the same things. Choose, therefore, which you prefer. Here's one possibility, either to be loved just as much as you used to by the same persons remaining like your former self, or by being superior to your former self to lose the same affection. You can't keep both of them. He says you can try to keep both of them, and then you're probably not going to get either one. And we've seen people like that where they're like, yeah, you know, I'm changing my lifestyle, and I'll still hang out with all of you, but I can't really participate in anything that you're doing I still really enjoy your company, but I, I just don't approve of anything that you do. That doesn't really work very long. You lose the affection, and probably you're going to fall back into the same patterns. Epictetus would often suggest, in some cases, making a clean break. He says, if this latter alternative to lose the affection is the better choice, then turn in that direction, and don't let the other considerations draw you away, because you can't make progress when you're facing both directions. But if you've preferred this course to every other, or you wish to devote yourself to this alone and labor to perfect it, give up everything else. Otherwise, you're going to have a double result. You'll neither make progress, nor will you get what you used to before. For before, when you frankly aimed at nothing worthwhile, you at least made a pleasant companion. If we're going to just live it up and take it easy and get into trouble sometimes, then if we're going to do that, we may as well just do it, right? And not have a whole bunch of qualms about it, because at least then we're committed to something. So he says, you can't achieve distinction along both of these lines. You have to fall short in one or the other. If you don't drink with those who you used to drink with, you cannot be in their eyes as pleasant a companion as you used to be. It just isn't going to work. Choose whether you want to be a hard drinker and pleasant to those persons or a sober person and unpleasant to those persons. You can't have both. Either you can drink with them or you can make progress. Either you can do whatever it is that these people over here are doing that you know isn't the right thing to do, and they probably have some sense it's not the right thing, or you can make progress. You cannot have both of these. He says if you don't sing with those you used to sing with, you cannot be loved by them as you used to. And so on, you know, with, with all sorts of other things. He says, give up other considerations. Renounce them. Turn your back on them. Have nothing to do with them. But if that doesn't please you, then turn around. Become one of these people who does those other things. Jump up and shout your applause for the dancer. The different characters don't mix in this fashion. You cannot be the part, and he uses an example here, of both 
Thucydides and Agamemnon. You can't be this guy and that guy at the same time. You've got to make a choice. And so, you know, there's a lot of cases where we're going to have forced choices like that, particularly considering the cards that we get dealt with the people that we end up with, right? But the good news is this. We can choose other people. We can find other activities that aren't going to raise these sorts of problems with us. If we want to make progress, probably we have to try to find social connections that are going to support that progress instead of holding it back. He's got a really great example of, of something a bit more specific in chapter 13, where he's talking about people who are too open about private matters. And this is a common problem in our own day. It was a common problem in Epictetus's day. You know, when we say TMI, too much information, we're signifying that sort of thing. And he says, when someone gives us the impression of having talked to us frankly about his personal affairs, somehow or other we're likewise led to tell him our own secrets and to think that that is frankness. That is being straightforward. That's being a good person. Why is that? This is one of the problems that social intercourse can lead us into. Well, we have to ask yourself, is it unfair to not be equally forthcoming? If somebody makes admissions or confidences to us, is it, is it only fair if we say something in return to them? If we don't do that, will we be viewed as unfriendly or as unsocial? That's another problem. Another third one that he brings up that's really interesting. We tend to think that if somebody is making admissions, yeah, you know, I'm not a really a good person. I kicked a dog last week and I slashed somebody's tires and every once in a while I steal the social security checks out of so-and-so's mailbox. We somehow think that that makes them more trustworthy and that we should therefore trust them because they're trusting us with a secret because, you know, we could hurt them. And Epictetus says, this is terrible logic. <laughs> you know, it is not a sign of trust. It's actually a sign of something else. So he says, let's consider the first reason. It seems unfair for a man to have hurt his neighbor's affairs and not to let him have in his turn a share in ours. Is it really unfair? And so he considers it. He says, is it Fair to hear your neighbor's secrets and then give him no share of your own. And he says, look, buddy, I didn't invite your confidences, did I? You didn't tell me about your affairs on certain conditions that you were to hear about mine in return. If you're a babbler and think that every person you meet is a friend, you want me to be like yourself? You're imprudent, buddy. He's saying man, but I, I'm using buddy. So you're imprudent and you think that I should be imprudent because you can't keep your mouth shut? Because you reveal stuff about yourself that you probably should keep to yourself when you're dealing with strangers or acquaintances. That's kind of crazy logic, he's saying. So I, I don't have to do that. What about the, the second one? Are we going to be viewed as unfriendly or social? Well, that, that same thing applies here. We've got to decide. Do we want this person to like us? Is that really that important to us? Or do we want to make progress? Do we want to stay on the path to progress? Probably this person who's making imprudent confessions to us is not the kind of person whose affection we really need. It, it would be kind of silly for us to think, yeah, I have to get in with them because they're telling me all sorts of stuff about themselves. Now think about the, the last one. Is this really a sign of being trustworthy? He says, here's what the person could say. I trust you. You don't trust me. And then he says, first of all, you don't trust me either. You're just a babbler and that's why you can't keep anything back. Look at yourself. If that statement of yours is true, then entrust these matters to me alone. But the fact is, whenever you see anybody, you sit down beside them and you say, 
Brother, I have no one more kindly disposed or dearer to me than you. I ask you to listen to my affairs. And you act this way to people that you've not known for even a short time. So even if you do trust me, it's not clear that you trust me as a faithful and respectful person, not because I've already told you about my affairs. So let me have the same thought about you. Show me that if a person opens himself up about his own affairs, he's actually faithful and respectful. And that reasoning doesn't actually follow. He's, he's saying, look, show me something that can't actually be demonstrated. Namely that opening up and talking about all sorts of things at random with strangers is a good thing and a sign of being trustworthy. As a matter of fact, it's probably a sign that they're not trustworthy. Why would you talk to somebody who is such a blabbermouth about something that is secret or private or proprietary to yourself. You know that they're going to talk about it with other people. So this is a good example of the kind of trap that people sometimes fall into when they're getting involved with acquaintances and social intercourse. You know, sitting next to somebody at the game, sitting next to somebody on the bus, involved in some sort of meeting with a co-worker, right, in a, in a team building activity. These are the sorts of issues that often tend to arise. So Epictetus thinks we need to devote considerable thought and attention and make some important and hard choices when it comes to who we choose as our companions and how far we're willing to go with them. Special thanks to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. You can find me on Twitter at Philosopher70, on YouTube at the Gregory B. Sadler channel, and on Facebook on the Gregory B. Sadler page. Once again, to support my work, go to patreon.com Sadler. Above all, keep studying these great philosophical works.